Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux, and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own mental health expert. You're listening to episode 31, Know Your Financial Well-Being. This is the first part of an interview with financial planner, Jessica Blood. She explains that financial well-being is not necessarily about wealth. It's more about feeling like you have control of your finances as opposed to your finances having control of you. Financial well-being and financial wellness is equally as important as mental health. I have to be such a good listener and sit back and let people talk because it's amazing what you uncover when you ask just a very specific question like, how can I align with you to make you feel comfortable to tell me these things and also allow me to become your trusted contact. It's like find your people, keep them close. It's the same way for mental health, for financial wellness. Jessica is a cum laude graduate of the Boston University Questrom School of Business. She is a certified financial planner and founding partner at PlanWise Financial Group. Her expertise is helping people make educated decisions about all aspects of their financial life and how to avoid pitfalls. Listen as Jessica and I explore your financial well-being and ways to become more aware of your relationship with money. Thank you, Jessica, so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm excited. The main goal that I really want people to take away from this is financial well-being. And there's a way to have a relationship with money that is healthy and positive and not nearly as stressful. Yes. That's the goal of this. Yes, that is the goal. This episode. Yeah. The first question I've got, how do you define financial well-being and the impact on mental health? Financial well-being, not necessarily about wealth, more so about how that works in your life to make you feel less stressed and have less anxiety. And the well-being aspect is more about feeling like you have control as opposed to having it control your life. And it's really different for every person. Mm -hmm. It's so personal. It depends on how you grew up with money, what your current financial state looks like. Mm -hmm. The question that you're asking yourself is, when will I feel comfortable and in control? And financial well-being could be, I need to make sure that I have $25,000 in the bank and my mortgage is my only debt. Mm -hmm. And for someone else, that could look very different. My goal could be super plain vanilla. I want to have money in the bank. I want to have my 401k taken care of, and I want to pay my mortgage down. Day to day, I feel comfortable where I'm at. It might be longer term. It means something different for everyone. And it's not really about comparing. Mm. It's about finding your own sense of stability and inner peace Mm -hmm. around the amount of money that you're making and also how you're saving and spending that money. Yeah. Is that right? Right. You look at yourself and it's easy to compare. This world is very easy to compare what we have versus what somebody else has. Comparing is despairing. Exactly. It's hard for some people Mm -hmm. to separate that. It's hard for them to feel like they're in a financial good place, even if they are, because Mm -hmm. they say, I should be doing this and I should have this. Who told you that? Where did did that come from? If someone comes into the office and they're like, I feel like I'm behind. 
Well, we haven't even talked about goals yet. Who told you that? Where did you read that you felt mm-hmm. behind? Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. what you do. It's yeah. understanding why do you feel that way and what's the underlying mm-hmm. stressor that's causing you to feel this way. Right. You've mentioned that you feel almost like a financial counselor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel more that way when couples come in, but I also feel that way when I meet one-on-one with my clients mm-hmm. too, because I'm a trusted contact. They are curious on my opinion, but I have to be careful. I have to sit down and separate money for a second. How did you grow up? What was money like in your household? How can I turn into a helpful asset in your life Mm -hmm. as opposed to someone that you stress about? I want people to come in and set goals with them. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that their goals, they are comfortable, that they're attainable, motivating. What I don't want to do is spew a lot of industry jargon and say, oh, hey, well, did you know that the international markets are returning? That's been my experience. It just happens to be that my parents had a financial advisor. I remember meeting with theirs when I was in college. I didn't understand anything he was saying. How does that necessarily translate to the life that I'm living? Right. And one of the things that he mentioned was, well, Erica can just get rid of her car. And I'm like, hey, I, I can't get rid of my car. I live in Austin and I'm working and going to UT. I need to be able to get around. This isn't a public transportation city. It often has seemed to me like it becomes a cerebral exercise in numbers Mm -hmm. and doesn't necessarily translate into real life experience. Yeah. And that doesn't work for me. I need it to go hand in hand. Well, that's when you have to back up and say, okay, so you need your car. That's not going to solve a problem because we need that. What other avenues can we look for? Say we have credit card debt and we're trying to get out of that. Mm -hmm. Well, if you need your car, you can't sell your car to pay off your credit card. What are the other levers we can work with? You also have to be such a good listener and sit back and let people talk because it's amazing what you uncover Mm -hmm. when you ask just a very specific question. How can I align with you to make you feel comfortable to tell me these things and allow me to become your trusted contact. Well, you're establishing a trusted relationship. Yes. It's funny. My grandmother always said, you should feel comfortable with the friends that you're around. Be friends with people that if they walk in on a normal like day to day and your house is a mess because you've got two kids and you know a dog that just threw up and the kitchen hasn't been cleaned yet, that person's not going to judge you. It's like find your people, keep them close. It's the same way for financial wellness and your mental health. I'm curious, how did you become a financial advisor? What's your story? Yeah, so it's interesting because when I talk to you and hear your Mm -hmm. background, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. What it must have been like to grow up meeting with a financial advisor Uh and understanding what your family made for salary and what bills were like. Mm -hmm. It's very different growing up in our house. So I grew up in rural upstate New York. My mom is one of 10. They're dairy farmers. Childhood was so fun and rewarding, but I never, we never talked about money. Ever. Ever, really. And my parents were divorced when I was four. Understanding now as an adult, Mm -hmm. what happened as a child is really interesting to look back on for me. My mom was a, is a registered nurse. She worked in the operating room. There were three of us growing up. And we would get in the car at 5.30. She'd drive us to our grandmother's house, drop us off in the morning, and she would have to be at work at 6 in the morning. And that was her 12-hour shift, and then she would come home. Mm -hmm. And I saw my parents working really hard, but we never felt like we didn't have something. And that's what I think is fascinating about it. It is fascinating. And I wonder if that's why they didn't talk about any. Hmm. So why wouldn't they have talked about it? Because... 
it wasn't a really happy topic for them, but they felt like we were fulfilled. And then it was like, okay, they did their job. They went to work. Gotcha. They managed the money. We never went without anything. They didn't mm-hmm. feel like we were losing out on life. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we didn't need to talk about it. I don't know. It's kind of mind blowing. I've actually never asked them that question. Yeah. I'm interested. Yeah, I probably should. Is your dad also a farmer? No. So my dad, my dad worked in an oil company. Okay. Like we grew up very blue collar, which I'm very proud of. And, you know, they somehow made it work. My dad is definitely more of the spender. I remember never, ever, ever wanting for something at Christmas. I wanted a Barbie dream house and I got a Barbie dream house and I got every Barbie that went with it. But what I realized was that they really couldn't afford that. Right. My dad couldn't afford to get me the toys, but he didn't want me to not have them. The first real conversation I can remember having about money was, so I ran track in high school and in college. And as I was starting to get kind of serious about it, we were going to a track camp. And I remember them saying, are you really into this? Because this is a lot of money. And I was like, well, how old were you then? I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. I was like, I need to do really well at this because they're paying for that. How old were you when you realized that there wasn't enough money there really. I was in college. So I went to Boston University, studied management. I studied marketing. I had finance courses. I thought it was really interesting. I spent the better half of my like college career talking to my dad about money. So y'all had a heart to heart, I'm assuming, in yeah. college where the veil was lifted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and that- you could see the financial strain. It was heartbreaking for me. My dad's an emotional spender. He's like got the heart of gold. I love him so much. But he loves to people please. Mm. And he wanted me to be happy and he hated that he was divorced and he felt like that was his way to make up. And I remember going through like his finances. Well, we have to pay off your credit cards. You have to do something. And to help my dad to be like, okay, we can do all of this. Yeah. We just need to manage the spending. Like so you he can was have- your first client. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Thanks, dad. Um, yeah, but it wasn't until I stumbled upon a job in a financial services broker dealer mm-hmm. that I was like, oh. There's a lot of other people like me. I knew how to balance my checkbook. I knew that whatever came in, I really should try to save that however I can. But I didn't know how to invest it. You didn't grow up in that culture. Right. I mean, you grew up with farmers and that's a very different culture than working in business. Yeah. I never met with a financial advisor. I didn't know people did this. Yeah. I didn't know people came to your house or you went to their office and you met with them about statements. Yeah. And, you know, you they guided you on investments. I just thought people were on their own. They figured it out. And if they didn't, then they didn't. Well, the majority of people do function yeah. like that. And middle class America, I think that's true, mm-hmm. right? And like I said, we grew up pretty blue collar. There weren't financial advisors lining up at my dad's door. Yeah. That's for sure, right? Understanding that there's a way to balance happiness mm-hmm. um, and memories that don't have to necessarily tie into money. Yeah. That was kind of my first try at it, I guess. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so it kind of came from my dad's experience. It was a really windy tour mm-hmm. to get to where I am today. But I feel like I was honestly born to be in this job. Like I can't imagine <laughs> doing anything like, else. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so fulfilling. I take on a lot of my clients' fears and all of that. What do you do with that? I run a lot. Okay. <laughs> to stay sane. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I can't separate that to a certain degree. Well, in any kind of helping profession, when you really do care about the people that you're helping, part of it is having that empathy, being able to make that connection, and also having a a sense of objectivity, knowing Mm -hmm. that you're doing the best that you can and being able to let go. Yeah. And and being able to recognize what's yours and what's theirs Mm -hmm. 
and how you're meeting in the middle. That's interesting. Yeah, I need to work on that. It's fulfilling for mm-hmm. me to have people meet their goals. When I think of things, I like can't help but email them or text them and be like, I've thought of this. This yeah. is what you need to do. And part of that's just who I am. My mm-hmm. brain's just constantly going and I'm thinking like, how can I make your situation better? And then I'm like, oh, it happened. I was on my run and I had this epiphany and I'm going to you know, do that. Yep. It's hard to separate that, mm-hmm. but I love it so much that it, it doesn't take me away from any other part of my life. Yeah. Like no other part of my life is suffering because I'm right. like that. So I, I think that's why it's okay. <laughs> I don't actually know. Good. I yeah. don't actually yeah. know. Yeah. And so a lot of people have shame yes. around money, shame around their finances, where they are in life yeah. that prevents them from even going to see a financial advisor. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I see so many people are ashamed about money mm-hmm. and it's almost like I want to shout it from the mountaintops. Like you don't have to be ashamed. Just ask questions. There's so many people out there that don't understand and don't know. And if I can help just a small portion of them, then I feel mm-hmm. like I'm giving back and doing what I was meant to do on this earth. For example, I see a lot of this in, in widows. They'll come into my office and they're like, I just don't know anything. What they need is understanding that we're going to take care of them and that they're going to be okay. It's what we call financial paralysis, right? I'm assuming in this example that the husband was managing all the the finances. Honey, you're going to be fine. Right. You're taking care of. You're taken care of. And that is fine until it's not. Yeah. Until they become the managing household finance person. And if there's a family involved, that complicates it even more. And I had a widow in, in her early 60s in my office a couple of weeks ago. And she just said, I just don't want anyone to tell me about markets and performance because it really confuses me. I need to understand that this is going to work for me and that I can live the way I need to live and it's not going to change. And and also the emotional distress of having lost her husband. Right. You're charged emotionally, probably not thinking the most straight, and then having to all of a sudden become an expert in finances when you never had that in your background. Yeah, And, and that was something that I had to really brush up on and get Mm -hmm. educated on how to be there for someone. Mm -hmm. Not only do they have this pile of statements and things that they have no idea what they've just uncovered and they have no idea if they're going to be okay. They're still grieving the loss of their husband. My role is really, how can I relate to them? How can I let them know it's going to be okay? I understand that you're going through this. And today our goal is not to solve the whole problem. It's for you to understand these are the steps that we take. Right. And, and what kind of things can we reinforce that they start to have that trusted contact? Because Mm -hmm. if I've been talking to the husband or if this is a new client, I have no relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. How can I take the financial behavior, the financial emotional connection and translate that into what we do? Right. Mm-hmm. So we're managing assets. No, no doubt. But you can't manage the assets for someone and connect on a level if you don't ask the right questions. Right. And I think that's really what it's all about. There's a lot of people out there that don't understand. And my job is to educate you. It's not to tell you this is our process. This is how we do it. It's to make you feel like you're part of the process because you are and to educate you along the way. And if I do my job well, you'll never feel ashamed again in this office or ever again with any person. Hopefully you're a client for life. But if you're not, I want you to march on knowing like I understand it. Yeah, I think especially for women because it it seems to be – Men talk about finances yeah. where women shy away from that. And I've noticed that in my own life. I'm an advocate for empowerment, yeah. however that comes, right? right. Because that, that comes back to being your own expert, 
no matter what it is. Right. And I have noticed my close female friends shying away from it. You know, I don't really talk about that. Or yeah. so-and-so handles the money. I, I really don't. Yeah. But I still keep popping up and saying, let's keep talking <laughs> yeah, about exactly. it. Let's try that again. Let's, <laughs> let's try, try that again. again. And it's not that I'm prying. But I think there's engaged. more financial freedom available for all of us if we can be more open. Mm-hmm. And share what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for us, keeping the conversation alive. Yeah. Well, it's funny. My husband loves to golf. There's these conversations on the golf course. They're like, oh, you know, my performance is up, you know, 20%. And I'm like, who talks about that? But they do, apparently. It's more that it's part of their conversations. Like it's finances or business or what's next. It's almost never part of like a female. I would agree. Mom's night out or neighborhood. You just said it. Mom's night out. We're going to talk about our kids. Yeah. And I'm like, oh boy. I know. There's only so much to say. It's it's like our chance to learn too, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, do you have 529s for your kids? Not that you're going to talk about checking and savings and emergency reserve and all that, but it's like, oh, hey, did you know that you're self-employed? You can do a SEP. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. Oh, what does that mean? It allows you just to engage in a different way. Yeah. It also opens the door for other people if they're not. Mm -hmm. John and I do like a state of the union at the end of the year where we review stuff and say, all right, what'd we do well? Would we not do well? How can we change it going forward? That idea has been passed on to several people because it was opened. Yes. That that, that yeah. was an open conversation where I felt comfortable saying, yeah, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Because I said that, it allows more people to feel comfortable. Most women feel ashamed that they don't know more. But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I know. But I'm like, let's talk about it more and you'll know more. (laughs) Exactly. Just open up and talk about it. And then it's safe to do that. Yeah. And you know, um, if you can open a door to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you don't realize how many other people you're helping. Well, and it's the same with mental health. Right. I I have seen a counselor my whole adult life. To me, it's just a no-brainer. Right. And it surprises me when people are just kind of Oh, you see a counselor. Yeah. Oh, are you crazy? Yeah. You're not crazy <laughs> yeah. because I go to see a exactly. counselor. Exactly. <laughs> it's like saying I go to a gym. That right. is physical health and we accept that more readily. And especially being a counselor. Right. I need to make sure that I'm in balance, right. that everything is going well so that I'm not projecting onto my client. So it's about having these conversations and, and allowing other people to know that it's okay. Yes. Look, I'm open about it. You can be too. And like, why should that be different for any avenue of your life? It should be the same for mental health, mm-hmm. for financial. Why are there so many stigmas attached to it? And if you feel that way, then it starts with you. And this expectation that we're supposed to live this perfect life. If we really step back, living a life is about exploration. Yeah. It's about growing, making mistakes, and continuing to move forward. Yeah. It's not this perfect state. No. No one is perfect. Mm -hmm. Every situation is different. I want to take a moment to talk about PlanWise Financial Group, where Jessica Blood is a founding partner. They understand that everyone faces decisions regarding their financial planning. Their goal is to help simplify and enrich your life. They have extensive experience providing personal financial planning, business management, and tax services to individuals and their families. They are committed to you and your long-term financial success so you can rest easy. To contact Jessica Blood, go to planwisefin.com. Welcome to the bonus segment of my podcast, Your Truth Revealed. I want to expand on some of the main points from my interview with Jessica Blood. First, let's take a close look at the slight differences in meaning of wealth, 
prosperity and abundance. Most of us view wealth as money and assets. It's your net worth, which is assets minus liabilities, and it's measurable and comparable. But it's important to remember that comparing is despairing. Prosperity is more holistic and all-encompassing than wealth. In Latin, prosperous means doing well. This can include mental health, fulfillment, and peace. For example, you can be wealthy but not prosperous and vice versa. Abundance is the perception that there is plenty. It's a feeling of satisfaction and the peace of mind that there's enough for everyone. When society has a sense of abundance, there's usually less competition and more collaboration. What can get in the way of experiencing financial well-being is the emotion of shame. And as I've mentioned in other episodes, shame is about hiding. It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the perception of wrong behavior. The problem is that shame can prevent you from looking at your financial behavior and becoming educated about your finances. It can block you from self-awareness and seeing where you stand with money and how to develop manageable and attainable goals. Jessica explains that her job is to educate you and to alleviate any shame that you might be experiencing. As a financial planner, she's not going to tell you what the process is. Rather, she helps you be a part of the process, which is essential. Education is key to this process. If you're looking for basic financial courses online, Dave Ramsey has many available. Several of my clients have taken these courses and successfully decreased their financial stress. Lastly, I want to bring in mindfulness as it relates to financial well-being. My definition of mindfulness is paying attention on purpose in the present moment with acceptance. Being mindful of managing your money is an ongoing practice and it can help you make conscious choices that reflect how you want to live your life. I believe mindfulness can lead you to wealth, prosperity, and abundance. Check out some great resources in the show notes. In episode 32, Jessica gives behavioral advice and explains the difference between wealth and financial security. You have to be willing to look in the mirror and there's no good, bad or otherwise on it. It's like, okay, well, I'm a spender or I'm a saver or I I don't do my 401k because I didn't realize the importance of it. Okay, that's fine. You have to be self-aware to understand what's coming in, what's going out, what are the underlying behaviors. Until next time, subscribe and rate the show. Also, tune into season one for more on unleashing your physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux. Thanks for listening.